Welcome back to Sports Highlights. If you guys are new to the channel, make sure you guys like, share, comment, and subscribe. I'm going to be sipping my tea today. Just a uh, random uh, put there. But uh, we have a special guest today, uh, Kirk Henderson from the, I forget the name of the website, but I know it's the SB Nation. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Sure thing, guys. Anyway, Mavsmoneyball.com. Okay, there we go. I'll make sure I put the link down in the description below because, yeah, I definitely forgot but um yeah make sure you guys follow us on social media platforms we have a bunch of cool stuff coming for you guys we got warner back as never what so. i'm true. back i'm back i'm thinking of warren oh god anyway speaking of warren tomorrow the greatest wrestling has the greatest wrestling match ever well we're having the greatest debate ever tomorrow make sure you guys check that out but let me stop rambling. Guess I have more to do. So let's get um, get right started here. So we've asked this question to all of our special guests so far. Um, how confident are you that the bubble is going to continue to work and we're going to crown an NBA champion here? Uh, 100%. Uh, the process and procedures the NBA put in place paired with kind of their very uh, transparent processes I, I think that they've done as be, like better than all the other sports leagues combined at this point there's still plenty of, of uh, points of failure uh, where things could go wrong but if things do go wrong it won't be because the league didn't think of it it will be because a player goes to a strip club and comes back with uh, chicken wings um, and they don't tell that sort of thing I mean the likelihood, and it seems, you know, I, I think these these circumstances are really going to be providing, like, scientists some interesting opportunities to see how, like, the virus doesn't spread because it's, you know, they've done a good job, you, you know, containing guys. Two uh, weeks in a row without a positive test is really surprising to me. I, I don't I don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm grateful, but I, I would have, just based on kind of the margin for error, you would have figured something stupid yeah. would have happened, and mm-hmm. nothing stupid has happened. And there's still, I'm looking for wood to knock on. There, there's still opportunity, but I feel pretty good about where they are. I'm really, I'm excited because, you know, the, they've had the last, I don't know, three weeks have been the opportunity to like shake out some of the problems and they just haven't had that many, you know, getting guys into the bubble was tedious. The, I think the, the nuggets and the Clippers had some real problems and, you know, they didn't want to come out and talk about it. I know the nuggets had like seven guys there for a good portion of the, uh, of the startup, but you know, I, I feel really good about where they are now. Warner. Yeah, um, you know, as, as I've said uh, many a time, you know, I'm, they've done an outstanding job, um, you know, and I think they are at a bit of an advantage having indoor um, arenas and less players on the roster and less, um, less players, you know, on the court or the playing area at, this, at one time. But, um, you know, it, it's just this, the, they are leaps and bounds ahead of all the other sports leagues, whether it's the NFL, the NHL, or the MLB or even the MLS, and, uh, you know, just kudos to Adam Silver for being smart, kudos to the players for being patient, and I'm ready to see some playoff basketball. I'm going to try today to not call Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, and Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, an idiot. I'm going to try. We'll see how well that goes during our our second interview with Danny Vietti, uh, so we'll see how that goes. But Silver has done an outstanding job. And I've consistently said Silver should just run all three major sports. That's, I mean, like, all seriousness. The, the NFL, the MLB would be in much better places than they are right now. 
if Silver was in charge. And, I mean, you know, granted, yes, they do play with less players, which is a little bit more uh, manageable than the NFL. That's like teams like right now, the roster size will obviously still cut down. But right now, it's 80, some teams with 80 players on the roster. Plus, you probably need 10 coaches, right? So that's 90, that's a 90 man team or 90 people team, right? Times 32 teams. That's, I don't even want to do that math in my head. And then training staff and uh, right. film crews, NFL refs. And it's like one that. whole conference, but it's, it's yeah. like one whole NBA conference, but a team. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the amount of danger that the NFL is in, the MLB, I'm not going to say they've done a terrible job. They've severely messed some things up. They're in a better spot than I think a lot of other sports leagues would be written right now. So I'm going to happily, halfway give kudos to Rob Manfred. But again, two weeks in a row, no positive cases. Um, but this is my one concern. I said it last week. What's going to happen when, like, the bubble starts to open up? And I think one of you said three, three family members per player. At a time. At a time. Um, How's that going to work? That's probably my biggest concern me, for me personally about the bubble. But as of right now, I'm, I'm 100% confident. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that part just because as a person who has children, children are gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them, but they are also kind of like the plague rats in this whole situation in terms of spreading the virus. So. I mean, I can't imagine having to get your family in there and doing a seven-day quarantine in a hotel room. Like, I've been in one house with my wife and my child for 140 days, but we at least have rooms we could go to. Like, a Disneyland suite, that'd be scary. Or a Disney World suite, that'd be scary for seven days. Like, I I don't know if I'd come out of that married. Um, It's really... It's really kind of confusing. Like, I get why they're doing it. You want them there. Like, I think they went from having, you know, probably the most together time with their families and their loved ones than they probably had since they were, like, kids themselves. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, like, getting them back in, it's just it, – it, that's kind of the only real risk point. But I suppose you could think if they're only doing it for the for the second round and up, that is eight teams left, if my math is right. So then those eight teams are probably, you know, they're not only the best teams, but they have the guys who are most locked into the bubble situation. So there's like an incentive for everybody to come prepared and do the, you know, be, you know, honest about where they are, if they've, you know, been out and about and and whether they need to quarantine and tests and stuff like that. I just don't, I just can't believe they have to give kids these tests. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And and to talk about and go based off of that, um, they're not gonna at this point the stage that the NBA is in, they're not gonna cancel the season. That's out of the proportion. We're not gonna see. We're going to see a champion, especially like you said, it's going to be at the earliest that family members could come in the second round. Do so you think they're gonna stop the season permanently at the second round, unless they absolutely have to? Even then, Silver will just say. Hey guys, um, quarantine for 14 days. We'll come back. We'll resume the schedule. Come on, guys, it's the work. I mean, my game is going to but um, but yeah, like, it, it makes no sense to cancel the season. So the NBA, yeah, they're go- they're going to finish the season. They're going to crown a champion. Um, so let's move on to the next topic with you. Um, how close are the Dallas Mavericks to being serious contenders, in your opinion? They're at least two rotation players away. Uh, they come to 
Orlando missing two guys who were in their kind of top eight for, for a good chunk of the season. And I would say that, you know, the way the team connected, there really is like more, uh, the hole was more than the parts situation where a lot of guys played above, like basically shot better than they'd ever shot before, those sorts of things. And to me, that sort of expecting that sort of performance with the roster that they have long-term is a little bit unsustainable. Uh, like Tim Hardaway Jr. is like shooting like 6% above his like career three-point average. Like that's just, I mean, it's awesome, but it's also just not really a thing. And so I'm a little curious about the guys that they have behind, um, you know, Luca and Porzingis. What is the, the, who is like the, the official third dude, like in the pecking order, you know, it, it facilitates right now. So I think they're, they're at least one more salt, like really good, uh, you know, kind of like B level player that could help get them over the top uh, because I, the NBA is just too talented. The West is just awful. Like when I look ahead to next year and I see the golden state's going to be healthy, I think Portland's a bunch of, of clown frauds, but they always seem to make a run at some point wow. and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Like the Pelicans and the Grizzlies aren't going to make the playoffs and the Grizzlies are like in terms of young talent, you know, the most young talent in the league, in my opinion, particularly in the West, like things are just going to get ugly. So Dallas, like I, they need to worry about like making the playoffs again next year and then <laughs> they can see how far they can go. I mean, having an MVP candidate on your team, like, like top eight ish guy in terms of like MVP voting is probably really you know helpful in that regard. But you know, when you're, when, you know, you're kicking out to an undrafted Dorian Finney Smith as a like key component to a team, it, it just starts to look a little iffy, you know, over the, the larger the sample size gets of games. Yeah. Um, I think Dallas needs to treat, uh, treat that, treat Luca like he's LeBron. And what I mean by that is <laughs> by putting as many shooters as possibly can around Luca, because like what, one of the things I really like about what the Lakers are doing, we do this in our film breakdown, or at least I did with Danny Green. When, the most deadly part about that Lakers team, in my opinion, is when they go pick and roll with AD and LeBron, and they have Danny Green on both sides. That is dangerous because you're not leaving Danny Green open, so it, you're, he can't really come over and help. And that could be the poor man. Luka and Kristoff could be poor man in a good way because LeBron and AD, but it could be a poor man's version of LeBron yeah. and AD. So I think you just got to put fill the uh, shooters around the uh, Chris Ops and Luca, because really Dallas. Now that I think about it, and I've said that I don't think any team is going to come out of, besides LA. Dallas is probably the team that I'm the least. I, I have the least problems with. I have significant problems with every other team. Dallas, it's main mine. Yeah, I don't. I don't think about Danny Green stringing the Mavericks out in free agency last summer. I don't think about that a lot but I, I, I think about it a lot because they have two top 20 three-point shooters by percentage in the league already on their team with Seth and with uh, Hardaway. And I just sit there and think, God, if Danny Green had actually won, I mean, he never wanted to come to Dallas. He just used him as leverage, but it was really awful for like two days thinking, gosh, this would be really cool to have Danny Green on the team. And then now that I'm like watching as they play, it just, it kind of goes off a cliff because they have, um, like DeLon Wright, who is a very interesting player, but he's not, he doesn't really fit with what they do. I don't think he'll be back with the team next year. I think they try to move him. But then they have like, uh, you know, like Maxi Kleba is a really interesting player. Jalen Brunson is, 
I have no idea what he's going to be, but he's not a wing. Like you need like like shooting like wings who don't. I like, I like but I, I, to what you're saying, like he, he they need guys who don't need the ball, like who can essentially like stand there, catch, shoot, or take one dribble and get to the hoop. Like they don't need another guy uh, who who demands like who really needs to get a feel for the game, dribbling and things like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, my only problem with him is you know depth uh, coming off the bench. I mean. <laughs> You said, you know, you've got you've got the star potential there. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis was, you know, projected to be one of the top ten players in the league for years to come. And then, you know, he had the whole Knicks fiasco with the injury, and he missed all of 2018 and about half of 2017. And, um, you know, he, I don't think he's gotten necessarily the respect or the attention that he's uh, deserved or that needs to be given to him. But, um, you know, I think with him and Luca coming off, whether it's screens or no screens, um, I think they're they're going to be a very formidable duo in the NBA uh, if they both stay with Dallas. And then um, just you know with with Curry and and uh, Hardaway coming off, you know it's a little small of a lineup, but it's mm-hmm. it's not anything that we haven't seen before. I mean the Rockets don't even have a center on the roster, so it, it's it's something that I think can work, and I think it can work well. They just need to um, you know hone their pieces, keep getting better, and as you said, like. Make make sure the hard Hardaway's uh, great shooting this year compared to his previous years is not a fluke. Make sure these guys keep getting better and keep producing, and you might you might have something in, in a year or two. I, I will say it's very it's been very helpful in terms of where I can see team roster construction going. Is that there is not like an alpha dog battle between Porzingis and Luca. Luca is better than him. Very simply, uh, that's not to say Porzingis is bad, but it's simply a ball handlers league now, you know, like Jaron Jackson jr. Might be my favorite player in that draft, but his path to like elite superstardom is a lot harder than his, than his teammates there because he just doesn't get the ball all the time. And and Luca is just like him taking this MVP leap has been pretty, uh, pretty exciting to watch because like, I, I don't really know what he's done all that better other than get to the rim a heck of a lot more. Cause the man still can't shoot free throws or threes and, you know, he's rebounding better and he's just got some better shots. So it's, it's nice that in, with where they're going, it, it, there's a little bit of a clear path because it, it's, it's exactly like you said in terms of uh, he, they just need shooters and they need guys that are going to be willing to, you know, play defense. Yeah. Sorry. My, my, but um, yeah, I want to touch on Chris house really quickly. The last 13 games before the restart, if you want to talk, like we talk about Tatum being on fire, and I talked about LeBron being on fire. Kristaps was looking like Kristaps of old. Last thirteen games, so I pulled it up here. Last thirteen games, he averaged from around up twenty five points, eleven rebounds, two and a half blocks on thirty seven percent from three in thirty four minutes. And I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's relevant to bring up Luca. But my point is, Kristaps was really becoming that real number two that Dallas didn't really have most of the year because Kristaps was coming back from playing basketball for the first time in really two years then carrying his ACL. And then we saw him become Kristaps of old with Luka. Another thing about the shoes was Steph Curry. Steph is weird to me. Like, you'll look at percentage, you're like, wow, he's on the best shooters in the league. But in the playoffs, with that size, and we saw last year in the Golden State series, he was practically irrelevant. But in the Denver series, he was able to get some tough shots off. 
So deep in the playoffs, he's going to be not, he's not going to be valuable to you because of his size and he's a liability defensively. So you have to keep him off the floor. So I think that's why having a Danny Green would have been so beneficial for this Dallas team. Interesting, because I think I was writing at the beginning of the year that the only real path for the Mavericks to get to the playoffs is before Curry got hurt and, like, the West, the West kind of thinned itself out um, and the Spurs stumbled, things like that. I really wanted them to go all in on offense. And I had no idea that it would be what they did because, you know, their offensive rating right now, the the they're number one in the league overall. And the difference between them and Houston, who are number two, the, that is the same gap as Houston and whoever is number 15 in the league. Like in terms of their offensive rating, which is, you know, it's, it's kind of a garbage stat with how many threes people shoot now, but it's still fun to, to at least look at the Mavericks are, are capable of just scoring all these points. And that's really the only way forward for them in the playoffs this year. They need to outscore everybody, which is again, kind of a stupid sentence, but if they hang, you know, 120 on, on teams most nights, then they might have a chance. You know, they, they, when they played uh, the Pacers the other night in the scrimmage, they, they scored 37 points in the opening quarter. That sort of stuff is, is, is what's nice. But then what happens is we, they go to the bench and some of the problems you guys have pointed out really start to like rear their head where, you know, Boban Marjanovic, who is a situational player at best is like their second or third big at the moment. <laughs> so it's like the, the playoffs for them this year, once they get there, it, it, they need to avoid the Clippers at all costs. Uh, but otherwise, I think it could be it, be, it could be kind of fun. I'm going to be really interested just to see what Rick Carlisle does, because for the last several years, he's like really squeezed a lot out of, you know, iffy lineups. There was one year that OJ Mayo was on the team and OJ Mayo like shot something like 45% from three for two and a half months. And then then Mayo died. I don't know what happened. Like Rick must have broke him. But he's a, he's a really interesting coach, and so it's it's been fun to see what he can do with actual talent. But the Mavericks are just so bad on defense that it's almost – it feels a little bit, you know, silly, like looking beyond even like the first round. I think they could surprise Denver or Houston maybe. I mean, they could beat the the, the Jazz, but it's – I don't know. It's This feels kind of weird because I've been really looking forward to them making the playoffs before uh, coronavirus. And then with this, it's like I think they're going to get there, and I think it's going to be, you know, kind of a, a – kind of a gentleman sweep opening opening series yeah i want to oh never mind go ahead warner i I just want to say if you if you're a person who likes scoring when you watch nba games it would be really really fun for you to see the mavs and the rockets face off in a seven game series Mm -hmm. there 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 might be like 300 total points scored every game there won't be any defense at all it'll just be it'll be the all-star game all over again now the all-star game was a little bit more yeah yeah but I wanted to touch on something that you said, Kirk. There's not a team that I'm 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 really feel confident with. And this can kind of lead to our next topic. There's not a team in the West, besides the Lakers and the Clippers, that I'm definitively saying Dallas won't beat them. There's not a team. I think Dallas can beat the Nuggets because they have the best player on the floor. They can beat the Jazz, not easily, but easily, if you get my point. They can beat the Thunder, too much firepower. The Rockets are weird to me. So, yeah, so I think that's a good way to lean into our next topic here. Which team out of the West, besides the Lakers and the Clippers, you think can challenge those two teams to come out of the Western Conference? I've been a big Nuggets guy all year. 
I just I really believe in in I mean look they made it all the way last year and I don't know if you realize this because it's one of the dumber stats that we have in existence the player who has what you you shaking your head here the the <laughs> the player who has the most game winners is their center that man has seven game winners in the last like two and a half seasons he's how many, of those, in, how many of those are in the playoffs. He, Sean's a Jokic hater. It's I'm okay. not a Jokic hater. Where is this myth coming from? Well, I mean, they're a really weird team because, you know, first of all, I think, like, if, you know, Mike Malone now has a pretty good reason to put Michael Porter Jr. in the phantom zone. But, like, if, if they were able to actually, like, throw Bull Bull and Michael Porter Jr. out there on the floor for, like, spot minutes against backups, like, they're they're a deep team. But I don't even know who their best six players are because I'm kind of with you because there's games where – like, I don't like Jamal Murray as a basketball player very much. And yet, at the same time, he's very effective. It, it kind of drives me nuts. Like, they're a team that's very effective. And, you, you know, their coach is easily their biggest problem. Like, if Rick Carlisle was in charge of them, I think – because Malone is stubborn. Malone – like, if you look at the five-man lineup data, he has one lineup that has over 700 minutes together this year as the Nuggets. He just keeps playing the same guys. In comparison, my Mavericks have one lineup with over 200 minutes the entire season. That's how like like ridiculous Carl is about lineup stuff. So I just I think the Nuggets are kind of like a sleeping giant where their coach needs to get out of their own way because I mean they have these really talented guys. It, it's it's just that they don't necessarily play them all at the right time because he's so concerned about defense. Which who cares about defense in the first two rounds? Like get to the get to the conference finals and then see what happens. So that's where I am with the Nuggets. Let me go, Warner. So this is my problem with the Nuggets. First off, I don't know where this Jokic hater myth is coming from. <laughs> I have not uh, been on record hating Jokic, so I have no clue where that came from. Now, the reason why? So let, let's let's go on. Let's go on a uh, a flashback tour. The last time I'm not counting that 2011 Mavericks series. So the last time there was a team to win a championship without a superstar guard or a superstar wing was the 03 Spurs. And then before that, the 99 Spurs. And then before that, the 93-94 Rockets. So the Rockets series. But my point is, since the 80s when Magic and Bird dominated the league, there's only been four teams to win a championship without a superstar guard or a superstar wing. My point is... You could argue, you could argue um, the Spurs when they beat the Heat. And Kawhi. he wasn't really a superstar though at that point. He was he was all defensive team, but I Duncan wasn't a superstar either. Duncan was fading. Kawhi was rising. It, it's they were. It was kind of a, a weird. It was a, it was a very balanced team. Yes. But I, I like how Kirk ignored my shade about that twenty years. But I was, oh, that was a weird team. That was a weird. I'm still I'm still bitter that they didn't get brought back. I mean, I watched. I watched Dirk Nowitzki play with, uh, like, if you ever go look at, like, the, the, the mid-2000s centers that Dirk had to play with, and then they find one in Tyson Chandler, and then they let him leave twice. Like, I, you know, I will never not be bitter about those sorts of things. But it's, it's I just like the Nuggets. I, I don't think they'll actually make much of a difference. I mean, I think the Bucks are just better than all these teams, and I don't think it really matters. Um, I, I really I really think the Bucks are, yes. I mean, that, that's the, the way. The championship. I, I do because that point differential is frightening. Their defense is really, really good. 
And I, you know, the fact that they got beat by the Sixers, or yeah, they got beat by the Sixers. So it's, you know, I, I think Miami might put a little fear of God on them in the playoffs. I, I'm going to be interested to see like how things shake out there. But I, I just, they, they can't, you know, they're better than both these teams because of kind of their cohesion. I mean, oh, the Lakers, I think, still have a little bit more. The oh, Lakers have a little bit more on the Clippers, even though I think the Clippers are probably the better team talent-wise. Because oh, yeah. the, the Clippers are just – I mean, the Clippers are designed to beat the Lakers and have handed yeah. them their asses twice. It's not going to happen tonight because, like, the Clippers are missing, like, two of their top six guys. So I think Harold, Lakers... Harold, Lou Will, and uh, Beverly. Yeah. yeah. All out, yeah. So. <laughs> I, I see Sean um, being very depressed in his camera. And, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting point because I really – I thought the Bucks would um, make it to the finals. I thought um, – they would, you know, have a pretty easy road aside from, you know, if they had to go through the, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Heat, I can realistically see them beating all those teams, but then I can see all those teams beating them. Now, I know I don't think it will mathematically be able to happen that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can see all those series go to six or seven games and be, you know, tight games every time. But um, I think once you make it – once you see, you know, the Bucks in the finals against one of the two L.A. teams, Barring any significant injury, I just see those teams having just, you know, either another superstar uh, other than just the one, you know, Giannis. Sure. His, his, his wingman is Chris Middleton, who's an all-star and a very good one at that, but I wouldn't say he's a superstar uh, by any stretch. And I, then, need white, I need white Dante in the finals. Come on. But, yeah, but um, it, it's with the Lakers and the Clippers, I think they just – their teams are so experienced in the playoffs and the finals, and um, at least with LeBron and Kawhi, and then um, just with the surrounding pieces around them. They're, they're, all three of them are very deep teams. But oh, the Lakers, Lakers are not deep. The Lakers are a garbage fire. They brought two guys, you know. They, okay, yeah, yeah. They, they, just had, they just have two of the best five players in the league. That's pretty awesome. Can I mute you? You are literally <laughs> proving everything I've ever said on this show right. Or haven't I been on record saying the Clippers are the team that have four or five players that can win six men of the year on a different team, right? Haven't I said that? No, they're good. You, you said and then that. the Lakers, they are the, they, they're deep. They just don't have guys that will win six men of the year every year on a different team. Here, here's, the thing with, here's the thing with the Lakers. They lost Bradley. He opted out. They lost Rondo. He got hurt. Losing Rondo is so- a great thing. Losing Rondo is a great thing for them because then they don't have to screw around and give him minutes for his ego. And now you can watch, like, I don't really like Alex Caruso, but I think he probably fits what they want to do better than Rondo, who needs the ball. Although when, when LeBron the comes off the floor, Rondo might have to be that that kind of field general. I mean, who's going to handle the ball when LeBron's not on the floor? Oh, I mean, that's what's horrifying. They're going to let Deion Waiters do, do stuff. Like, that's I can't wait. Deion Waiters gets to do stuff in an NBA, or in an NBA playoff situation. I don't know. He's he's gonna have a great time though getting on LeBron's nerves. <laughs> yes. I don't think I've ever been this irritated in a long time. So I'm, I'm gonna just explain go, yourself. I'm gonna explain yourself. Go for you guys. All right, you know, let me get closer. Okay, about the Nuggets. They're just weird to me, and I, I, I'm gonna clarify for the record. I feel about the Nuggets. They're freaky talents. Actually, this is my comparison. Them. They're the Raptors of the past five years without Kawhi. They'll have a crazy good regular season, and then the playoffs. You know, I, I don't expect anything of them, and maybe I don't know what it is. But I don't think they'll ever be ready. It's just a weird thing to me because, like you said, with Jamal Murray, I don't trust Jamal Murray or that 
anybody on that team come playoff time to get the job done. Then, oh my gosh, I, I don't even remember most of your argument because I just blanked out. The, the the fact that you said the Bucks are like or something, point differential means nothing because yeah, it does. Oh, it's nothing. a historic. It, it is nothing. a historical marker. It, it is like nothing. the historical marker for stuff. The Warriors had had a historical marker being the greatest regular season team of all time, and then what happened? Uh, they really should have lost in the conference finals, but then but they lost, didn't. But then they lost in the finals. So again, that means nothing. As Zoom is telling us, we got ten minutes. So again, the regular season means nothing, and yet what has the Bucks done constantly, or what have they shown us constantly in the past four or five years? That come playoff time. They are an easier team to stop. I am more afraid of stopping the Celtics come playoff time than the Bucks. I will say that, yes. Because in come playoff time, just proud of the big – the Celtics had the formula. Remember Matt and Adam Warner? Mm-hmm. Watched the live stream yesterday on Sportscaster. Made an excellent point. The Celtics showed before the Raptors, they showed the formula to stopping Giannis in game one of that series last year. Get under him on the screens, pack it in, and just, and even if he makes it, just put a body on. Just gonna wear him down early. I don't think so because it's like half their half their issue is their coach. When their coach does stuff like play him, I'm looking up his his playoff total his playoff per about? game last year. Giannis Giannis played 34 minutes per game in a playoff series. Like like Coach Buck is a moron for that. Play that guy 42 minutes a game. He's like 25 years old. Like at a certain point, talent just wins out. Is all. And though, like the East is going to be kind of eh, because yeah, I don't, uh, I just think it's going to be kind of an easy march for them because I mean, who who are the who are the people even in contention for that eighth playing spot in the East? Okay, With yes, the, the first round, I think, the first round they can take a nap during the game. Yeah. After the first round, you're either facing Miami, which is going to be a hard series. The Sixers, if Ben Simmons can get together, they have the bodies to throw Giannis. The yes. Celtics, that the Celtics will probably just have to outscore them or they could do the formula that they did last year. I don't know how that'll work. The Raptors is a unlikely second-round matchup, but if it was, that's a tough second-round matchup. And then you face one of those four teams in the conference finals, and then you go, they're not, no, they're not winning the championship this year. Their road to the finals is more, is way harder than the Lakers or the Clippers. It's, it's I mean, that's not harder. true. Yes, the Lakers and the Clippers have to play better. The Lakers and the Clippers have to play one another, and the <laughs> Lakers and the Clippers are better than all of those other teams in the East. So it's in a, it's. I mean, the finals ends up being like a real war of attrition in a lot of ways. Like that was my that was my takeaway from back in the like when the Mavs played the Heat. Like Dirk was what? Can I curse? No, I shouldn't curse. Dirk was bad in the 2011 Finals for a lot of it because he was just like tired. Uh, these things, like, like it really is. It, and I, I think that the, the you know, where, where the Bucks kind of get places is where I'm going to be interested because, you know, their coach, you know, it, it manages their minutes really well, but I think it really can, can work to their benefit because I think they're just going to be in a better place. I, I do think they make it to the finals, though. That part I feel pretty good about. I can hear what you're saying about, like, at a certain point, the finals is a bit of a toss-up because the teams are good and, you know, weird crap can happen. Um, like, you know, Draymond kicking people in the nuts one too many times. Like, things, you know, things just happen there. Um, so, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. I've, I've not really looked forward to the playoffs in a couple of years, um, even though I did yeah, enjoy last Jordan year's finals. Yeah, I mean, 
Yes and no. Eight years in a row in the East and then Golden State's dynasty. It's been kind of predictable. And then, and then before that, it was the Spurs and the Lakers. And then before that, it was Spurs I mean, the and the Lakers the and the Bulls. Yeah. All right, but yeah. let's start wrapping up here really quickly. So I'm going to answer this question literally. We can all pick our final uh, uh, favorites and then we'll play flip table. We got six minutes. So let's try to use that. Uh, I'm I'm, I've said nobody, but after like us talking, I'm probably gonna say the Mavericks. If anybody's gonna come out and challenge the Lakers and Clippers, now the matchup, the Mavericks are just out for everybody. They're not gonna stop the Lakers or the Clippers defensively. And I think they kind of need to realize that now, right? But the Rockets have problems with the Jazz. They're just not. Talented enough. I think Bojan is not playing either, or he's hurt. Um, uh, yeah. OKC, not enough power, firepower either. So, yeah. So, NBA Finals favorite. I don't even want to, I don't even want to Kirk to go. You know what, Kirk? Uh, Warner, go ahead. Um, I, I got the Lakers and the Bucks coming down seven game series. Um, I think it just matters on, on uh, what you think the Lakers are going to sweep them in four. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a seven-game set. Um, I, I see the Bucks winning, um, the going through the East, winning uh, at least one series in seven games. And I also see that happening to the Lakers. I, I think the Lakers-Clippers conference finals, I think that's going to happen, and I think it's going to be a, a very close, fought out, maybe a few overtime games, um, buzzer beater or two maybe from Kawhi. And, uh, <laughs> and um, no, because LeBron's going to miss a free throw on the line, and then they're going to pass it out to J.R. Smith. And he's not going to know what to do with it. Kawhi's going to steal it and hit a corner shot. Off, George Hill has got the free throw. Who, in JR's defense, we don't blame George Hill for missing the freaking free throw. Here, here's the thing, though. LeBron's free throw shooting in clutch moments is not good at all. Um, Excuse me. Who's the most clutch player of all time per stats? Per, per You're the stats boy. Per uh, the <laughs> analytics and per who has the most game winners? Who's the clutchest player of all time? It's not Kobe. It's not Kawhi. It's not MJ. It's freaking LeBron. I'm muting you for the disrespect. Go ahead, Kirk. I would probably – I mean, for the East, it's got to be the Bucks. I think the Clippers are, like, the better team, but there's something funky. The betting markets right now for, like, the, the game that happened – or that's going on tonight, like, took a huge swing a couple days ago. I think people I think knew in advance that – well, yeah, and it, that just starts to throw stuff off. So, at what point does, like, the, the Clippers' lack of time together start to catch up with them? Yeah. Um, I think in a in a one-game series, like, the, the way that the Clippers – when the Clippers beat the Lakers this year, those were, like, demoralizing losses. Because, uh, uh, yes, the they were. Game, the first game, yes. The second game, the Lakers dominated to the last five minutes. Just watch the game. But, but when, you let it, when you let a team come back in the last right. five minutes, it's kind of – Because just – so I still think the Lakers make the finals over the Clippers for kind of the cohesion factor. Um, and just because, it, it, you know, just, I don't know, it just bothers me. Like, but I, Kawhi Leonard is a horrifying player, but the sheer amount of games that he's ended up taking off, that stuff just kind of, it, it bites, it bites you eventually. It he, He's taken over enough games where it feels stupid to pick against him because the way that they went against it, you know, the, particularly in their conference finals and then in the finals, even though the Warriors were beat up. I mean, he was just a monster. Oh really my good. Gosh. But I, I just, 
what you don't like him? Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he he likes the Lakers so much it clowns. LeBron did that for freaking eight straight years, and he misses the playoffs one time because of injuries, and the world just just forgets completely. That is a hundred percent what, what? I'm talking about. I, but I mean, I, I did say that I I would probably pick the Lakers to go there. It's just it's a it's a lot five factors. It's a lot it's it's just a lot easier of a choice in the East for me because I don't believe in a number of these teams. Because as much as like for example, Boston could give them problems, and I don't really think Hayward matters anymore. Hayward might not be there because he's gonna he's yeah, talked he's, about leaving, and so it's like those are like the little depth issues that nickel and dime, and that's where the Lakers I think have at least replaced their depth. I mean, the, the Rondo getting Rondo out of their lineup is the most like net positive. I, he just, he does dumb stuff. And I, I think that the Avery Bradley thing, I, I don't know. Do you think he's that good of a defender? I, I think, think the, kinda, I think they're still going to miss him. I think he's better than J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters. So I think, I think nah, people, that's probably true. I think but, people overrate like how good he's good. But like when people like Colin Coward and people say, Oh, Lakers are, are going to miss their two best from a defender. Really? I mean, like, we're, right. you know, Danny Green's still a person, right? Like, <laughs> Yes, really. Now, da- Green is kind of the guy that feels like a little bit of a forgotten man in the Lakers. Right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, actually, we got a minute, so I'm just going to be quick here. Lakers are going to win the championship. That's all that matters. All right. <laughs> flip the table. We got a minute here. So, flip the table is basically our special guests. They have any question for us, show-related, NBA-related, or sports-related in general, there's a chance to have any. We got a minute. Oh, what's the first basketball game you remember going to? Or watching, professional. Okay, first basketball game I remember watching. I forget which game it was, but the 2009 series. No, well, they, my, my been 2010 when LeBron's facing the uh, Celtics back in old Cleveland day. I think that mm. was the first one, in my memory. It's a good series. Yeah, I got I got into basketball later, um, like, as like, Tom like, knows. Like, Last year, um, I, I think I think um, the most memorable ba- uh, basketball, at least series that I've watched was um, the the um, the Cavs coming in with Kyrie and, and Kevin Love actually healthy and knocking off the Warriors in the uh, down three one. I think that was the most memorable. And that's really recent, but that was pretty memorable. Yeah, and then, picks. And to end the show, famous quote for LeBron: He said, "On the show, more than that, please." That right there made you the go. Thank you, everybody, for watching.